Yo, can you hear me? I was doing that thing where you... This is delayed. Can you hear me? The delayed thing. It's the delayed thing. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Drunken Jaguar. This is Bentley Brown, and joining me via call is Ased Asan. The season's over. Jaguars made a playoff run. (laughs) Weeks later, and the the Chiefs, who beat us, have won the Super Bowl. How does it feel, Ased? It's been a while since we last caught up. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's been a long time. I think we were trying to get over the loss, which actually took me a few weeks myself, I must say. I'm I'm happy the Chiefs won just because you know the team that you know eventually ended up beating the Jaguars ended up winning the Super Bowl so I think that's a little bit of encouragement from the Jaguars end. Yeah, but I mean we had our chance though. Patrick Mahomes goes down and I I I wish all the best to, to Patrick Mahomes. I like the person a lot, right? But I also was I couldn't like erase from my memory watching uh, Jaguars fans burn a, a Mahomes jersey in in the slab tailgate before the Chargers game, out of all things. And I'm like, oh, f- we like hex the poor guy, but he didn't let it get to him. Yeah, I mean, he he's a killer, man. And really, I thought the Jaguars had a chance in that game when he got hurt. You know, it, it was the little things, too. You can't let Chad Henney go down on a 90-yard drive when Mahomes isn't in the game. Of course, the Agnew fumble, but, you know, you can nitpick little things why the Jags lost. The Aluakun uh, near interception would have been a game changer. Or maybe if he doesn't even get his mitts on it, maybe Tyson Campbell back for pick six. A million things could have happened, but we just got to appreciate what we had this year and be happy with it and look forward to next year because it – it's looking up, man, and there's there's some expectations from around the league, which is a little scary. Well, as we wrap up this 2022 season, I sent you some homework here to give me some of your best ofs of the year. Are you ready to start with those? Yeah. All righty. Well, I wanted to ask you, I said, what would you say was the best moment of the 2022 season? It could be anything. Yeah. <laughs> I think the best moment had to have been beating the Chargers in the playoffs. What they had to come back from, what Trevor had to do to come back in that game. You know, it's not easy throwing four picks and then turning around and kind of brushing it off and looking towards the next play and the next drive in the next couple quarters. I thought that was really impressive. It was just a euphoric moment, I think, for all Jaguars fans. We all thought it was over. And the game was not over, turns out. It was an amazing win. We were kind of already grateful just to be in the playoffs, but once you get there, you're like, well, it sure would be nice to at least win a game. And they did just that in, in front of the home fans. So I think that was a my favorite moment. And I think the Jags' best moment. And that moment is amazing, man. It was after that, after we hit the kick, uh, there are people in tears actually crying. There are people like collapsing on each other, crying and hugging in the stands. It was it's kind of mean that, you know, there's all these stadium staff, stadium staff have to kick you out of stadiums, right? Whenever these big games ends, you only have like 10 minutes or so to kind of gather your senses. And I just looked over the <laughs> sea of seats and you would see someone every, every few rows just 
looking out into the distance, you know, meditating, trying to soak in what just happened against that Chargers team. <laughs> what a moment, for real. I really can't argue against that, man. I mean, that is that is like the climax of climaxes for a season, or for a game and, and a season, really. I'm trying to think if there's anything else on my mind that would be a best moment. There there was a lot of good moments, you know, at the end of the season when they went went on that win streak. Rayshon Jenkins run back against the Cowboys. That was amazing, too. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the most important game. Again, this is open-ended, but what's the most, so not just like the best moment, like the biggest moment or whatever, what is the most important game to you from this 2022 season and why? So I was... It was between Denver and Dallas for me. It was Dallas because Dallas is a really good team, and they proved to themselves that they could fall behind in the game and still be willed back with both sides of the ball too. You know, the offense started playing good football, and then the defense was holding up. And of course, you just mentioned the Rayshon Jenkins pick six. That that was a walk off. So I thought that was really important for the team just to show them, hey, we can compete with with the best teams in the, in the league. And we just did it just here. I also say Denver because I thought that's when Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he said it himself. It's kind of when he took a lesson from himself, he's like, I can't make mistakes and turn the ball over because I'm literally losing games for us. And I think once it's really started clicking for him right after that game. So I found that game to be really important, even though it was a bad game for him. I thought it was a huge stepping stone for him. Okay. Uh, you want to hear what mine is? <laughs> yeah, what is yours? I've got the weirdest one you can imagine. Lost to Kansas City in week 10, right before the bye week. Because uh-huh. we had just beaten the Raiders, all right, the previous week. And that was after the Denver game. So we're starting to get things together. And playing at Kansas City is, and whether or not this is true, is kind of one of the ultimate tests in the NFL at the moment. I mean, all this talk about Arrowhead being so loud, and I know a lot of Jaguars fans reported otherwise on their trip this playoff season but you are playing for all intents and purposes the best team in the NFL when you go away to Kansas City and so to to go and to lose to Kansas City it was our biggest loss at the time we've only had all these you know single score losses at that point but it was you know only 10 point loss we started off with that onside kick i mean you had this these like fleeting moments of, oh, wow, the Jaguars might actually be able to do something here. And we weren't entirely out of the game. I think that that is alone its own kind of uh, comforting <laughs> loss in a way. And then after that, we have the dramatic win against Baltimore when we come back from the bye week. We lose to Detroit in somewhat of a fluky game, even though their offense was really revving up around that time. And then we <laughs> went out. I'm looking at the schedule right here. All these green W's <laughs> make me so happy. So, yeah. Okay. So I, I say that game, that Kansas City game. And then, uh, you know, I could argue that the playoff game against Kansas City at Arrowhead was even more important because on a big national TV stage, we were able to basically keep them on their toes. Yes, I think we should have won. Um, I want to add to our list of things that went wrong. The Christian Kirk drop slash maybe it was slightly overthrown by Trevor on, a, on an early uh, deep deep threat uh, pass but we we played Kansas City well and watching them in the game the Kansas City team as well as the fans just looking really nervous you know that this is going to fall out of their reach and the Jaguars are going to upset them 
in KC this year. I think that alone is a is a pretty big thing for us and pretty pretty monumental in building confidence, but also building kind of a reputation of we're we're a serious team uh, around the league. So yeah, that so maybe the Kansas City series, let's say, which were most losses, I'm gonna <laughs> mark as the most important games of this year. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I definitely agree with you, though. I mean, it's Kansas City. We know how good they are. We know Patrick Mahomes is – I don't even think it's arguable anymore. I think he's the best player in the NFL, right? Every season we try to compare another quarterback to him, but there's really no one like him. And they proved it again this year, right? They went back to the Super Bowl, and they they got a win. So it's going to be like this every year now, though. So it's always going to be the Chiefs you have to get past no matter what. Well, you know, as I say, you got to fight for your right to part. Let's go move on to your favorite player of the 2022 season. This is such a, a tough question because I love them all. Well, I like so many of them that I, I couldn't really choose. So I think I'm going to go with Christian Kirk. I I love Christian Kirk. I love his confidence. I love how he really embraced him get you know getting overpaid quote unquote because a lot of people didn't think he deserved that money and he went out and kind of just proved it and he's he's doubling down saying hey i'm one of the best receivers in the league and i should get my respect too and now hearing other receivers talk about it you know we heard tyree kill say he thinks christian kirk's a top five receiver during one of the super bowl media days Kadarius tony i believe also said had christian kirk in his top five so it kind of shows that he has the respect of his peers, at least, especially guys that play the same position. But does he have the respect of just NFL fans? I don't know. I love this guy. I love his confidence. I love his game. I, I love the chemistry him and Trevor Lawrence have on and off the field. He seems like a cool guy. So I'm going to go with Christian Kirk and then on defense, Tyson Campbell, because I'm just always fall in love with the cornerback. And I, I, I think this guy's really talented. Yeah, no, I'm not going to disagree with any of those points. Uh, I'm going to take Rayshon Jenkins as favorite player this year, who really emerges as a leader on the defense and gave us uh, single-handedly just pumps so much uh, fucking enthusiasm and energy into that defense that it got to the point that we could we could see the defense taking taking care of some games, and I, I really really like that. Back on offense, also receiver room, I'm going to put Zay Jones up there. All this talk about Christian Kirk, you know, whether or not he was a waste of money, if we overpaid him, is it even possible for him to be a number one receiver? Does he belong in the slot? Can he do anything more than what he's done in the past? Uh, Zay Jones comes in, and 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 I think he helped widen the field quite a bit there. I mean, he was used in a very versatile fashion all over the offense. He did have some really dud games. Like he was off for, I would say, at least uh, maybe what two games, just kind of sprinkled there in the season, uh, drops and and just underperforming and stuff. But for the most part, though, this guy, he 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 was a kind of a prove it uh, acquisition this year, and I think he did his own to lift the Jaguars' entire passing game. So really happy about Jay, Zay Jones. I really like the guy. Like I love listening to him talk and stuff and. And it, it seems like he and Trevor Lawrence have a really good relationship, too. So I want to stick with Zay Jones. I know oh yeah, a lot of honorable mentions are out here, though, too, man. I mean, Evan Ingram, you could say really a lot of the same things. Someone who was sort of outcast uh, from the Giants and and then not only found footing with the Jaguars, really excelled. I mean, <laughs> he puts another season like this together. We're going to be talking elite tight end kind of thing. I mean, who else Who else do you, do you have there in terms of improving and, you know, being the, the uh, rising star for the team? 
I mean, I, I think that's him. I think it's Evan Ingram and then probably Tyson Campbell on defense because he, he's made major leaps as well. But yeah, Evan Ingram, I mean, I'm not afraid to say I think I mean I think he might be the, the fifth best tight end in the league. He's definitely in the top seven. I mean, we already knew when this guy came out of college that he was going to be a threat. Of course, it didn't work out with him and the Giants, but I think he's really found a home in Jacksonville. And you can tell, you know, I've been reading these tweets and stuff. He really wants to stay. He wants to be there. So he wants to be a Jaguar, and I love that because he. We we've seen in the past, you know, some guys don't want to name names, just don't want to be a Jaguar. They they don't want to play for them. So Evan Ingram, definitely a very good choice too for an honorable mention. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I hope we keep him around. Another free agent, uh, Roy Robertson Harris, who really came into his own towards the end of the season. And we've 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 seen good things from him in the past, but. Man, he's also up there with uh, Rashawn Jenkins as a very vocal leader who's able to stir the pot a little bit for that defense. And along the defensive front, I want to give a, a big shout-out to Fatukasi. Now, he had an injury in the season, but uh, Falaronzo Fatukasi, our defensive tackle, was a, was a huge addition, as was Arden Key, who also, I think everybody just, <laughs> if they're all, everybody's playing together towards the end of the season, just lifts everybody's performances overall, but... Arden Key was someone we had seen be a beast in the preseason, and you never know how that's going to necessarily translate to the regular season. But what a what a, another example of someone um, being acquired for this year and then really excelling at their position to lift himself and the team. Absolutely, he was he was fantastic. I thought Arden Key was really good, especially uh, in those later games. He became the only pass rush the Jaguars had. It seemed like. <laughs> Um, yeah, Cisco right might be out there establishing a reputation for himself. I mean, I had Chiefs fan, fan a friend of mine, writing me after that first game that we lost to the Chiefs midseason. That Mahomes was specifically going after Cisco because because he was quote unquote headhunting <laughs> out there. Okay, no comment on that, but I will say that that does show that they're starting to take Cisco pretty seriously, and so we may have another rising star on our hands there. Hopefully, I mean, this is all. So it'll all be so nice to to see as many of these guys back on this team, not just next year, for, but for years to come. Yep. Agree. Now we got to get to the coach of the year decisions. Mm. Yeah, you, you don't agree. It sounded like. I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know if it's a small market, big market thing. I don't know if it's, you know, does the consideration just stop like at week eight of the regular season or something? But how the f does Brian Dabble win coach of the year with the New York Giants and not our beloved Dougie P? Uh, well, I mean, first of all, yeah, we look back to the Jags and yes, the Jaguars were bad the previous season, but the Giants have really been stuck too. And they feel like Daniel Jones, you know, the quarterback they drafted, we knew with Trevor Lawrence, we knew he was going to be good. But Daniel Jones, they were like, yeah, this guy, we're kind of just holding on to him, but we don't think he's anything special. But Brian Dable made him kind of look special, to be honest. He, he now, now Daniel Jones is asking for a bunch of money. And I think that's because of Brian Dable. I think he did a fantastic job. It was a, it was a really tough NFC East. They kind of held their own. They made it to the playoffs, which obviously is not in consideration what you do in the playoffs. Mm. But they beat the Vikings. I think he did a great job. That offense was moving the ball up and down the field. They they were a threat. Saquon Barkley was back, and he looks like a star now. They they have like no name receivers, and these guys are are playing well. I think he he tur- he turned the whole Giants franchise around. So props to him. Of course, I'd love to give it to Doug Peterson because I mean, I think the Jaguars won what. Three games? Was it three games? 
the past two years? No, it's more than that. Five games? Anyways, they couldn't win any games. And for this team to be three and six or three and seven, whatever they were, what impact Doug Peterson had for these guys not to give up and string all these wins together and get in the playoffs with such a young team and a team that the the dumpster of the league, right? We always look at the Jags. People look at the Jags and they think, well, it's the Jags, right? The Jags are going to jag. But not anymore. Now that Doug Peterson's here, it's a different story. And he's really changed things. And is this guy the second best Jaguar head coach ever already? Could that be so? Uh, no, <clears throat> not yet. Can't with one season, can't kick out Del Rio out of that yet. Not yet. Uh, yeah, exactly. But he's on his way, right? Definitely. Oh, definitely. Well, he's 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 a story of the year kind of guy. I mean, Dabble, okay, yeah, I, I, I get your argument. I also remember the cheesy ass, like, Dabble silhouette t-shirts people were wearing as early as, like, week five or whatever because they were so happy that the Giants were, were decent. But Doug, Doug Peterson was coaching in a way that showed you how powerful coaching can and should be. And it wasn't at just the macro level of the season. It was also at the micro level of each game. The only thing against Doug Peterson, not against him, but against sort of the argument that he's coach of the year that I, that I would admit to is the fact that the Jaguars did, again, at a micro and a macro level, dig themselves into holes too often. So for every time you can say it's fantastic that you came back from 14 points from 20 points from 27 points at the same time you know it it would also be a sign of good preparation and coaching and execution and whatnot to get into those holes and that was a patternistic thing this year and and it it also you could you could trace that to our record on the season as a whole as you mentioned what we were three three and seven or something three and seven and then we're able to to get into the playoffs that's that is amazing but that's that's some you know Brian Flores level like <laughs> good bad season good season stuff going on too right I mean it's, it's definitely impressive what Doug Peterson did and I think the most important part is his team took took on the identity of him right and I think that's what coaching is all about he was the leader that the Jaguars needed yes he should have won was there like a placement was there like a first place second place kind of thing in votes yeah let's look that up I'll go take a look at that. My guess is he would would have been second. There were so many great coaching stories. Okay, here we go. So this is NFL.com. And a write-up by Michael Baca says, Dabble won a, won a close race with 16 first-place votes and 123 total votes, just ahead of San Francisco 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan's 100 total points. Jacksonville Jaguars coach Doug, Doug Peterson, 75 points, five first place nods, took third. And then after that, you have the Bills, Sean McDermott. You have the Eagles, uh, Nick, uh, such an asshole, Sirianni. <laughs> Kevin O'Connell, uh, Lions, Dan Campbell, and then Andy Reid after that. These are, I mean, you know, there's some, some contenders out there. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, there's, I mean, there was a lot of good stories, a lot of good coaches out there. And it's hard to give it to, like Andy Reid because, you know, they're the Chiefs and they're always good and he's been doing it so long. So it's like, it was like those years where you could give LeBron the MVP every year, but, you know, you just can't do that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, with Andy Reid, you watched the Super Bowl broadcast, I'm, I'm sure. And did you see after the game, 
how much he was getting picked on. Do you, I mean, wasn't Terry Bradshaw kind of like borderline bullying this guy? I didn't, I didn't really watch like the the whole like ceremony and stuff. So he uh, yeah he he like called he said oh we're here with like one of the oldest guys out here or whatever he's like Andy Reid he's like Andy why don't you waddle on over here and then <laughs> and then like every every like living breathing Homo sapien on that field made a cheeseburger joke oh my goodness yeah you know they always make the cheeseburger jokes with him <laughs> and Terry Bradshaw's kind of losing it you know he's been for the last few years so we'll give him a pass. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Well, all, hopefully, hopefully, all in good spirits. And it was. It's. It, it is different this year, my friend. Watching uh, yet another Chiefs uh, victory run in the playoffs. There, thinking how close we are to being on their heels, and they can feel it. They know it. Yep, for sure. But what I keep telling people is, man, this year by year for the next ten years this AFC is going to be just a dogfight to even get in the playoffs. Just look at the quarterbacks. I mean, when people name off their top seven quarterbacks, what, six of them are in the AFC, aren't they? Oh, yeah. They're all in the AFC, and then we're going to be welcoming probably, very likely, at least one, but maybe two rookies, high draft picks, into our own division. So we're going to have to see what happens with that as well. Yep. Yeah, that's a good, that's a great point. And um, I, I really hope Trevor, I don't know how to say this. I mean, with time, you grow, you mature, you become more familiar with things. And I hope Trevor's familiarity with a breadth of situations as an NFL starting quarterback is really increasing and keeping up to speed here. Because how great he played this season, there's definitely moments where I'm still worried. And I hope this guy is able to clear his mind, you know, go into that offseason, build some nice relationships with, you know, rekindle, right, uh, and strengthen the existing relationships with the receiver room. Just get back here and have fun, you know. If you're talented out there on that field as the, you know, number one face of, of an offense, you should you should go into every game thinking, yeah, fuck these guys, fuck this other team, right? Like I got this, and I kind of the the Chargers game worried me in that sense, but also reassured later on after I heard him talk about it after the game. I mean, when we were like during the game, it was a nightmare. If you remember, to the extent of of someone uh, shouting, "Boo!" <laughs> <laughs> but when he comes back and he explained that. Out of the four picks, he personally only assigned one of them to a really bad decision and had excuses going for the others. I, I kind of like that because he's, he's telling you that he just, I mean, all that he wanted to do is get out there and sort of correct the wrong. He wasn't collapsing under the pressure in that sense, which is really <laughs> stone cold, man. Like, that's that's a great asset to have. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence... Like you literally could pass, you literally put him in any situation, and he's he's not going to be affected by it. And I hope I hope that I hope that does ring true in some of the smaller, comparatively smaller situations early on next season. But to an extent that hey, the Jaguars realize we got to put together some wins at the beginning of the season to put ourselves in a much better position this next year. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely going to be how they start off too. But I I think they're going to be just fine because now they have they have a rhythm. And I think that momentum from the end of the season will carry on. And the most important thing to me is they love playing with each other and they love playing for Doug Peterson and they love playing for the Jaguars. 
So once you have that and you're playing good football already and you're a young, talented team, I think everything should fall into place from there. Yeah, I want to ask you, are we getting a jersey redesign this offseason? I don't know. You keep hearing murmurs of it, but I, I was that'd be sweet. I mean, are they going to do like one, you know, what they were doing, like with color rush and shit, where one week, like Thursday night, they, you know, have a special uniform or whatever? I, I don't know. I think it's time for a serious redesign. And there's so much uh, noise about taking us back to something 90s influenced. Also, you notice Trevor Lawrence and some of the other players are constantly going back to retro looks when they get a chance. Press conferences, wearing shit around town and everything. It's kind of kind of interesting. There's definitely a different Jaguar style going around that's not what the team's putting out there. When I, I and during the, the for the Chargers game, you know, it was this biting cold and I went to uh, was it like uh, Dick's Sporting Goods and Kohl's, maybe Ross or something, <laughs> dress for less, looking for some layers, you know, I could like wear it, put under my jersey, have like a hoodie under the jersey and stuff. So I found this discounted jersey that was kind of a baby blue, like not quite teal, but like it might pass or whatever. Put it on underneath the jersey and, and underneath a black Jaguars jersey and and just never looked back and it it, it uh it really popped. So I had the same thing on, you know, I, I wore it again uh for the flight and stuff. You know, remember the Deion Sanders uh moment and everything. And so I see my I see my dad back in uh Dallas and he goes, Oh yeah, that's that that's that like baby teal that like Trevor's wearing these days. <laughs> Wait, what? This is a this is a thing. There's like a there's a Trevor Trevor brand of Jaguars teal out there. I kinda like that. Let's 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 uh change things up a little bit. That would be cool. I mean, but is it going to be like a full redesign, or is it going to just be like an alternate that they wear once in a while? Oh, I don't know, man. That's what I'm asking you. I thought our contract expired on that Nike redesign from whenever, so that's why I was getting a little excited that this might be the off season that we uh, <laughs> turn things around, <laughs> not just uh, victories wise, but also uh, which we've already done that, I guess, but but also aesthetics that'd be cool i'd I'd be very excited i'd I'd buy a bunch more jerseys i kind of like when they switch it up too but not too often you got to keep the same jersey sometimes because you know those those big boy franchises they never switch their jerseys or at least like it's very rare that they do anything with them yeah i think the was it the broncos when we beat them in 96 or whatever they had that old school orange and blue then they switched to the the very sleek kind of modern thing, which they've they've more or less carried into uh, modern times, right? That that sort of yeah. evil looking horse, probably inspired by the Denver airport horse that killed its designer and shit, but the you know so and and I think they won the Super Bowl the next year. So just saying, just saying, man. Sometimes it is okay to change it up. Yeah, maybe we need to. <laughs> What else? What else you got going on these days, man? How are you? How are you spending your days now? That there's not football to look forward to on a weekly basis. Oh man, it, it was really tough. I, I tell you what, after after we lost, I was like, I don't even want to watch football ever again. This sucks. Fucking sucks losing. But you know, after after I got over it, I had to hop back into my college basketball. You know, I'm always watching college basketball, so get involved in that. And of course, now you can kind of pay attention to the NBA and the NHL a little bit because there's other things. But I was like, damn, you know, see, after you have a season like this, you really start to miss football and appreciate it. Like, wow, we were actually good. I wish I could see some more games because it felt like it felt so short just because the Jaguars started turning up at the very end. So 
I can't wait till next season. I'm I'm super excited for it. Yeah, same. It's going to be so much fun. We're kind of in a very very selfishly here. We're kind of in in the best position you could be for the most heated off-season uh, debates about how the team is, right? <laughs> Cuz you're going to have the team fluke. They're going to say, "Oh, they they just, you know, what they had like a f- players coach hype them up to win a few games at the end of the season and then they get lucky against the Chargers in a game they should have lost and blah 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 blah. they're in the AFC South division they won the division with a 98 record the Titans collapse at the same time then you're going to have the opposite end of the spectrum which is holy if you just plot the Jaguar success on a (laughs) on a chart you're going to see this uh, what is it almost an exponential curve just taking off right now and all kinds of good signs that accompany that statistically the data is there to back it up so then where do you put us next year I mean, we're going to be the easy favorite for the AFC South for, I mean, I would imagine for, for a lot of outsider perspectives here. And then are we going to get some primetime games in the middle of the season? The fact that we won the division, obviously we have a, a, a harder strength of schedule. So maybe, maybe that might mean some better games, bigger profile. It's going to be really exciting to think through some of these things and debate them in the offseason. We're definitely going to have to talk about this on a later episode about, you know, how many primetime games we're going to get, because then I'm going to have to go through a whole spiel of what game should be a primetime game and what shouldn't. But I'll, I'll leave you with this last note. There is a slight chance. I don't think it'll happen. And I don't even know who our opponents are, but I assume we played the Chiefs again because they're the first place team. There's a chance we could be the opening night game because, you know, you're defending Super Bowl champs always playing it. And they yeah. usually play a team that they knocked out in the playoffs. I could definitely see it being the Bengals, but they could also save that game for a later date just because, you know, oh. they don't want to waste it on the first game. So I could see the Jaguar shoots being the opening game. Wow. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, this is the way we think here. All right. So we are, we are the, the, uh, the Cowboys to the Bucks. Correct. Because, <laughs> I mean, they didn't lose to them, did they? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Why they were even well, in the game. Yeah, yeah. Well, they met again in the playoffs and beat the Bucks this year. But interesting. All right, man. I, I love that. I love theories like this. I said, I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that'd be sweet to take a look at. Hey, get me into your March Madness brackets if you've got any fun ones. Oh, I do. I got the one that's usually got like 100 plus people. And it's like a $5, $10 entry fee. A lot of fun. I was in two or three World Cup brackets and the one that I was following was a big one and you know I poured my heart and soul into the bracket and, and uh, uh, watched my name fall week after week after week after week to like you know some mid-tier despair and then in another bracket which I, I didn't like really access or whatever and I don't think you can even see the results anymore on FIFA website or whatever yeah, that's how it always just last week someone Venmoed me the winning earnings of the bracket and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I, I don't, did I win that one? <laughs> I have no recollection. Well, thank you, I said, and thank you listeners for joining us on this episode of The Drunken Jaguar. This is an SB Nation and Big Cat Country podcast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Drunken Dragwar. We look forward to keeping in touch over the off season and wearing our Jaguars gear with pride wherever life takes us in the coming months. Until next time, go Jaguars. All right, go Jags. Can't f- wait until next season, man. And it was really good catching up with you. Go Jags!